0: It's a special night in the lives of all of us. A night to be beautiful, to be desirable. A night we can break all the rules and make our own. Prom night. Everyone at Hamilton High is getting ready for prom night. It's a day of rehearsals, arrangements, final preparations, and last-minute phone calls. Someone still wants to play. silent corridors someone who waits until no one can help prom night if you're not back by midnight you won't be coming home
1: And welcome to, definitely,
2: First Blood. We are a horror movie podcast. We mostly talk about movies from the 70s, 80s, and 90s.
1: Sometimes we dip our toes into the dangerous waters of today.
2: We have done a couple from today. We've done one from 2016, kind of. It was like one of a third.
1: When we were feeling extra fancy, but we promised not to get fancy too
2: often. Do our best, anyway. Our guarantee. How's your week been? Has there been anything wild and exciting going on in the world of Mitch?
1: I don't think anything
2: exciting has happened. My week's been pretty boring, and there hasn't even really been any interesting horror news to, like, keep me entertained. Pretty boring. A bunch of trees fell down. Yeah, it was windy the one day, but you know what they say when you talk about the weather. Uh,
1: it it knows that you're listening and it's going to punish you? Yeah. Okay, good. That's what I always thought. I apologize to you, Weather, if you're listening. Uh, it didn't mean anything. It. it wasn't intentional. Other hand-wringing excuses. Speaking of hand-wringing excuses, what are the movie that we're going to be talking about today? What are it?
2: We're going to be talking about Prom Night. Oh, really? 1980, (laughs) yep. Okay, Prom Night from 1980. Kind of a little bit relevant, I guess. I don't really know when prom season is, but it's sort of around here, I think, right? It's a really good movie. I really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, uh, me too. Shall we just dive into the plot?
2: Sure, I guess. I don't really have anything to talk about before we... Watch or talk about it. So generally. we
1: open on the ruins of what seems to be like an insane asylum.
2: Apparently it's a convent. A like convent. it's supposed to be a convent.
1: Half a dozen of one, six of the other. But it's apparently completely unlooted. And uh Rife playground for children to play their favorite game. I know I played it when I was a kid. There's yeah. There's a killer coming.
2: Well, it's it's like Tag, right?
1: Yeah, but a little bit more. Law and order. We have uh, two twin siblings who happen to stumble across this game of Tag in the former nunnery with their older sister. Yeah, so
2: there's uh, four people in the nunnery. So there's Wendy, Jude, Kelly, and Nick. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're the ones playing the game. And then uh, the siblings approach Kim Robin and Alex
1: and Kim is the older sibling I believe yeah by uh
2: two years I think it's supposed to be
1: I think she forgets something back at the school so she goes back to get it and tells her twin siblings like hey
2: wait wait there um something like that one way or the other uh Robin decides to stay because she wants to play with the other kids Mm -hmm. so she goes upstairs and, uh, she runs into Nick, who betrays her by giving up her location Killers to our three females who have already- Here!
3: Been Killers dead. here!
2: So uh, they start teasing Robin from this point on, screaming, kill, 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 Killers kill. and they slowly back her up, and she falls out of a window. Yeah,
1: she's clearly terrified, but I guess the mob mentality takes over. Not often you see a defenestration as the opening kill in a movie like this.
2: Does it count as a defenestration?
1: I'm not sure.
2: I don't think it does. I think it's just falling.
1: If there's any experts from the Defenestration Association of Americas, please write in and let us know. Thanks.
2: So Wendy, who is, I guess, the leader of this pack of wild children, Mm -hmm. uh, convinces them not to tell anyone because they don't want to go to jail.
1: And that's definitely what's going to happen for this accident.
2: Oh, for sure. I mean, you couldn't just explain like, oh, we were playing and she fell out the window. Yeah,
1: way easier lie than we have no idea, even though our fingerprints are all over everything or whatever. I mean, I guess they're like six and this is what, like the 60s, They're not six. 26. Yeah, 26 for sure. (laughs) No, but like, they're not thinking about fingerprints. That's what
2: I meant. Yeah, no, but they're like 11. Ten or eleven, like the girl who dies, Robin. Her mm. tombstone says uh, sixty-four to seventy-four. So she uh, was ten. But I think that makes sense. The other kids are Kim's age. So like when they're in high school, it's their senior prom. So they would be like eighteen. That makes
1: sense. I'm just yeah. not sure what age children learn about fingerprints. I guess. And other other sources of evidence.
2: I don't even know if they did fingerprinting in 1974. Did they? I'm not sure. It shows how little I know about it. <laughs> So the kids make a pact not to tell anyone or go to the police and they just take off in their bike.
1: Well, three of them take off on their bikes and one of them runs alongside them. It's, oh, okay. Yeah, I really liked it. It's like they couldn't afford four bikes mm-hmm. for the shoot. It was good.
2: And on the body of our unfortunately deceased Robin, uh, a shadow appears. Mm-hmm. Someone has just seen what's happened. Later that night,
1: uh, Liam Neeson, not Liam Neeson. Leslie Nielsen. (laughs) Jeez Louise. Okay, sorry about that. Leslie Nielsen is viewing the crime scene from
2: uh, a window of the abandoned nunnery. Yeah, the window that she fell out of, actually. Mm -hmm. Very uh, macabre of him to do that. Looking very morose. Yeah, so he's looking down at the place where she fell just as his wife arrives and he rushes down to stop mm-hmm. her from seeing the body. Yeah. And just she, as they're loading it into the ambulance. She's about as upset as you would expect a mother to be. Uh, we've got Kim and Alex. They watch as all of this is happening mm-hmm. and we sort of get the vibe that they they well they say that they, they think they know who did it. Mm-hmm. So we're off Into the future. Six years into the future. Mm -hmm. And it's now 1980. Robin's family is attending her memorial. Mm -hmm. So I guess we're to assume this is the anniversary of her death. And the mother is kind of reluctant to leave. But Leslie Nielsen sort of puts his arm around her. They walk off together. Mm -hmm. um, Leaving Kim and Alex, Jamie Lee Curtis to ponder the death of their sister and alone. then she like sort of carelessly throws the rose that she has in her hands down on yeah. the grave and like immediately pivots and walks away yeah i and was, he like lingers
1: i made a note of how fast she pivoted away i i guess because maybe she feels guilty for i don't know a, i don't know
2: I think obviously because we know how the movie ends, it might be symbolism in terms of she's already let it go and he's dwelling on it. Mm,
1: Good point. Good
2: point. Uh,
1: But immediately she changes the subject to who are you going to take to prom? Or do you have anyone to take to prom? Yeah,
2: we uh, cut to the next, well, not the next day. I assume they just go back to their house. Where they're having breakfast, and Kim and Alex are talking to each other, and uh, we learn that Alex doesn't have a prom date, so Kim is trying to set him up with her friend Jude, Mm -hmm. who is one of the, the kids from the beginning we know, and they're really making Jude out to be this like hideous monster, but she has a good personality, yeah, because Alex is not at all interested in going to the prom with her, and besides, he'll be doing this down for it anyway he'll so be too he, busy he can't date because he's a DJ It's
1: too, sorry he's a DJ's assistant and it's far too important, important
2: our family important. here arrives at the high school Hamilton High School mm-hmm. we find out that Mr. Nielsen is the principal of the school and as they're walking in we get the lowdown on this creepy janitor who's sort of lurking raking leaves
1: yeah he's got his glasses taped together he's pretty his hair is pretty
2: greasy yeah yeah uh kim says that he's always staring weird at her mm-hmm. and that kelly says that he spies on girls in the locker room
1: but uh leslie nielsen says oh well we've intensely looked into his background yeah they, he refuses to believe his daughter's claims i'm sure i mean if you're the principal and you have daughters here, I think I would pay attention to them. But who am I to judge? Who am I to judge? I'm not a father.
2: <laughs> Anyways. Uh... Uh, we get like a giallo creeping shot of the oh, phone yeah. cord, um, and which it... leads up to the phone where our silhouette madman is making the first of what will be many phone calls yeah there's
1: like an intense uh, close-up rotary action finger dialing
2: sequence yeah so this is where we see what jude looks like today we get the today version the present jude and so she answers hello jude She oh, yeah. I'll see you brushes mom. it off as just an obscene phone call. Mm-hmm. And you know. Yeah, she like, tells her mom, oh, don't worry. And then she heads off to go to the bus stop. But while she's on the way to the bus stop, she's oh, intercepted true. by a guy in a van. He yeah, C- pulls Mo- up behind her. Seymour Crane. Yeah, Seymour Crane. He, I guess, has been peeping on her. He wants to ask her to the prom. So, he pulls up beside her, they flirt a little Mm -hmm. bit, and then she gets in and he's going to drive her to school. Straight to Hamilton High. Next, we get our second phone call, where Kelly, our pigtails from the opener, all Mm -hmm. grown up. It's my turn. So she answers the phone, and her call is a little bit creepier, I would say. It's
1: been a long time, but tonight it's my turn. Then she hears a
2: noise.
1: Oh, that's not good.
2: And she goes to check her door, and there's no one out there. But when she turns around... It's just her skeezy boyfriend. Yes, Drew, her boyfriend.
1: Fucking creeping in on her to kiss up on her face.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so he he wants to smooch, and uh, she's a little perturbed that he scared her. But we cut to our next teen version of Initial Child, where we meet Nick, who is getting ready for school with his dad he's Mm -hmm. getting rushed out the door and his dad is like
0: for a guy so fast on the disco floor you are the slowest
2: so he leaves the apartment yeah just as they're leaving the phone starts to ring and his dad is like oh you're not gonna get that and Alex says that no it's probably Wendy because they've just broken up and she can't tell him what he wants to hear nope uh so she only hears uh, what she, she wants, wants to, to hear. hear. Yes.
1: My notes this week were especially bad. It I apologize. So. It's okay. But anyways, he's, he and his father are sort of like stoking each other up. And it's at this point that we're introduced to our police officer character in his sharkskin suit.
2: Yeah, we get a flashback to the initial arrest of the man who was pinned for the murder of our girl from the beginning mm-hmm. so it's like a flashback intercut with like his narration
0: about it hey, we only wanted him for routine questioning but he tried to outrun the detectives Why do they have to chase him? the circumstances of the hammond girl's death are unclear merch lived near the place where she died and he's a known sex he agenda. was was past tense it might have helped if your men had stopped harassing him maybe I believe he killed Robin
2: Hammond. Um, We learn that he tried to escape police when he was being pursued for questioning. And he crashed the car and was left terribly burned. So he ended up in a mental institution. And I believe that
1: the detective requests this doctor who had evaluated him uh, years before... To come, like, give his opinion.
2: Yeah, the the doctor psychiatrist comes to tell him that he's broken out of the mental hospital. Yeah. Very Sam Loomis from Halloween. Very. And all that the doctor can say is, like,
1: how am I supposed to give you an opinion about a catatonic a schizophrenic, schizophrenic
2: who's been that way for six years? But they get a phone call and they get a hot lead on this guy. So there are uh, Meanwhile our friendly neighborhood
1: uh, Serial Phone creeper Is making yet another call uh, To Wendy
0: Nick Wendy Do you still like to play games? Oh get lost Lou
2: Yeah so she Thinks that it is Lou, who we will meet soon, mm-hmm. um, just fooling around, so she just hangs up on him and heads downstairs.
1: As you do. Hang up on Lou.
2: So this was something I noticed about um, this particular interaction. I don't know if it's her mom or her grandma, yeah. her caretaker, but she's, like, particularly rude to her mom, it grandmother. Very dismissive. Yeah, the, the caretaker is, like,
0: be home for dinner, Wendy. How the hell should I know?
2: And I thought it was interesting because the rest of the teens were shown having like good relationships with their parents, yeah, like relatively positive.
1: That is a good point. She's the and only one she's the that bad doesn't. girl, mm-hmm. and she gets into her uh, her own extreme
2: muscle car. Yeah, her orange muscle car, and like pulls out to go to high school. Despite this being Toronto. Plates indicate that this is in Ohio.
1: Common misconception, common misconception. They're interchangeable.
2: <laughs> At school, we've got Kim and her friend Vicky. Mm-hmm. They're walking down the halls and Jude comes up from behind them because she's got some big news. Which is? I'm she's got a date, date to the prom. Oh my God. Kim has a royal freak out. Yeah. So excited for her friend!
1: It's like a almost like an Aaron Sorkin esque walk and talk, except instead of giving like sharp quips to each other, they're ecstatically celebrating the fact of that it's prom.
2: What was your promposal like, bud? Uh,
1: I did not go to prom. Actually, did you go to your prom?
2: I did not. We also didn't have
1: prom. Oh, it was called grad. Just grad grad we had two separate events we had a grad like graduation and then prom which I didn't go to but I did go to the after party Uh, myself and one of my friends uh, met up and then walked from her house to the after party which took like an hour of walking that's a lot of walking and I had gotten wasted on gin and tonics that I had put in water bottles uh, on the way to her house on the bus So I sobered up by the time we were at the after party, and she was very drunk because I remember spending like an hour drinking under like an overpass before we went to the party. Whoa, man. Yeah.
2: You're pretty hardcore. No,
1: not at all. (laughs) (laughs) But that was my prom. Were you receiving ominous phone calls as well? Uh, We also, the theme I think was 007 because we graduated in 2007 clever. I I tried to get the theme to be uh, sharks based on like a write-in. It was unsuccessful. We came in third, which is pretty good.
2: Good job, bud. Yeah. I don't know.
1: What was prom like at your school?
2: Uh, Well, like I said, we didn't really have prom. We had like a prom-like thing. Uh, It was called... It was just grad, so it was a dance after grad, and they would lock you in because it was called Safe Grad, So they didn't want kids going out and drinking and doing drugs and having any sort of fun. But like I said, I didn't go because I was like, I don't like these people anyway. Why do I want to spend more time with them? Because I was so ready to just friggin' get out of there at that point in time. So I was over it. So
1: back to the movie.
2: Yeah. uh, Where were we? Uh, Oh, So we get uh, a montage intro to the rest of our supporting cast at the school. Um, We see that Drew and Kelly are making out, but she's not really into it. She's Mm -hmm. like pushing him away. And then our trio of girls comes upon Wendy and Nick. Who are talking mm-hmm. and Wendy gives Nick like a little kiss and then she takes off saying bye I love her and he's got a big grin that they call out I believe no so Nick tries to explain himself to Kim after her seeing that he's kissed Wendy mm-hmm. and she's just acting like she's really upset about it and sort of blowing him off giving him the cold shoulder and she's smiling and then her uh... friend Vicky like yep,
0: she- No! Women in love
2: Nick, she's smiling to let him know. it's kinda <laughs> cute actually. Yeah. That's that is true. It was cute now that you remind me of it. And then we cut to our detectives investigating a crime scene where a woman has been found murdered at the same place that the girl at the beginning was killed.
1: Our nunnery that's even more abandoned than it was before.
2: The psychiatrist and the cop have like another Dr. Loomis riff encounter with each other. Mm -hmm. And Kim is scoping out the prom decorations. And she takes this naturally as the perfect opportunity for her to practice her dance moves. Her
1: disco dance moves on the non-illuminated light-up floor that they have set up for the prom, which is
2: fancy as hell. The spotlight comes on behind her, and standing there with it is Wendy. (sighs) Wendy. And they have a little bit of a queen bee uh, head-to-head.
0: Bravo. Practicing for tonight? As a matter of fact, I was. Practice makes perfect. Kim is always so perfect.
1: Uh, Nick likes me that way.
0: Really? You are keeping in mind that after tonight is all over, everything's going to be back to normal. I mean, Nick is king of the prom, and you just happen to be queen of the prom. But that's as far as it goes, Hammond. You really ought to tell him that. I'm telling you, okay? You seem a little anxious, Wendy. By the way, who are you going with tonight? It's not who you go with, honey. It's who takes you home. I'll try to remember. You wait and see. Just wait and see.
2: Yeah.
1: uh, Practice makes perfect.
2: Yeah, they start shading each other, giving little subtle jabs. Mm -hmm.
1: And then, man, I can't imagine prom and high school romance being this important. Always good to throw a honey in there because you catch more flies that way.
2: Our killer has begun ripping yearbook pictures of our soon-to-be victims out of the yearbook. Thankfully, it seems to be a small graduating
1: class because they're all in the same four-page spread. Yeah.
2: <laughs> this was another like pretty giallo thing to me. like yeah. The whole mysterious killer POV, especially with a mostly dark background, and you're really just seeing... Couldn't really see the hands very well. I don't think was he wearing gloves? I think he was. He was wearing gloves. Yeah,
1: very yellow. It was really good though. Uh, Ripping. He
2: was not wearing gloves when he made the phone calls earlier, though. That's true. Because I remember noting that he had knuckle hair. Interesting. Interesting. Interesting.
1: But I feel like definitely for the scenes later where he's running to the dark, maybe he has gloves. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he definitely has gloves at the end.
2: Okay. Good. Good, good,
1: good. This is really just in
2: a (laughs) cutscene though, because we go back to lunch hour. I guess this all takes place over the course of one day though, so Mm -hmm. they have to stretch it as far as they can. They
1: really but they also managed to pack a whole lot of plot into this short movie. Like I was trying to be very sparse with my notes, if you can't tell already. And I still ended up taking a lot just to keep up with the bare bones of the plot. Uh, but, uh, we get this nice long tracking shot of the gang as they walk into the commissary from the hallway and, uh, this masked guy comes up from behind, who does he kiss?
2: It's Lou in the balaclava, and he forcefully kisses Kim. So generally, Curtis. Yeah, like in a
1: really gross,
2: disgusting way. And her brother Alex jumps in to tackle Lou. And there's actually a blooper here where she screams Michael first, which is the (laughs) actor's first name, and then she immediately fixes it back to Alex. But I don't know why they just didn't like ADR that or something. But I guess they were working on very minimal budget i like it anyways it's like a throwback to halloween
0: come on be nice
2: (laughs) (laughs) the both boys get tussled up and they get taken to our principal's office Mm -hmm. where naturally the principal sides with his son and rightfully so because
1: Lose an asshole and has been for a long time. Yeah, he
2: was skeevin' on the daughter, He's so he gets suspended, yeah. correct? Or expelled? Suspended?
1: Suspended permanently,
2: <laughs> which I think is just expelled, but that's exactly what he said. So then Leslie Nielsen takes the balaclava that he was wearing and just chucks it out in the garbage. Uh,
1: so was the garbage
2: was the murder this yeah. whole time. <laughs> I like it. We go back to our detective, and he's giving another one of his weird uh, voiceover narrations. Yeah. Ooh, a motorcycle.
1: Somehow he's connecting the dots between these murders.
2: Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, that's okay. Just explaining that it's a motorcycle, if they could hear it Yeah, I like in it. the background. Because I don't know what they can Maybe of.
1: they thought it was me purring. <laughs> Who knows?
2: So the detective is doing his narration. Uh, it's flashes of him finding Robin's body. It's like psychotically violent yeah, imagery. It, it, a lot of cuts. It's it, really he's good. Got to get this bastard before he murders someone else.
1: Yeah, uh, he's a man on a mission. A cop, a renegade cop,
2: with nothing to lose. <laughs> Alex and Kim are taking a walk along the bluffs and they're having a moment to talk about the fact that this is the anniversary mm-hmm. of their sister's death it would have been her first junior prom yeah she would have been a junior this year it would have been her her first prom and oh it's not alex it's, it's nick it's nick yeah, sorry i wrote alex too two white guys yeah. it's very hard curly to hair it was very difficult. almost
1: impossible <laughs> yeah, so she's talking with Nick and Nick has a guilty conscience. So we're constantly bombarded with like flashbacks of him assisting in the her, her death. Yeah, yeah
2: like he so he wants to to talk. You can tell he's on the verge. He's just about to when Jamie gets sort of creeped out, and she runs and she away. runs away. Yeah,
1: convenient. Can you imagine the relief he must have felt? Ugh oh. Thank God. I mean, I was almost strong enough to do it, but then I finally whisked out just as she did too. (laughs) Thanks,
2: God. Elsewhere in our Midwestern town, Wendy has taken Lou out for lunch at the local drive-in restaurant.
1: Yeah, where all the waitresses wear the worst uniforms. It's, like, made of, like... The cheapest fabric I've ever seen, and it's right up the butt.
2: Pink (sighs) high-waisted shorts. 1980, man. Or 79 when this was filmed, I guess. Yeah, Wild times, I would imagine. No, thank you. Uh,
1: Baloo orders a whole bunch of cheeseburgers and fries and a Coke. While Wendy merely orders a small Diet Coke. Yeah, she's got to fit
2: in that prom dress, man.
1: I guess. I mean, I don't really
2: think Lou is worth it, but to each their own. Well, she's hoping to make Nick jealous by going with Lou. She doesn't even really want to go with him. Yeah. But they're, they're making a plot to get back at Kim and Nick. And the rest of the school for various
1: crimes. It's gym class back at Hamilton High and... I believe her name is Vicky.
2: Yes, Vicky.
1: Yeah, decides to taunt our uh, broken bespectacled janitor, or sorry, custodian, with uh, her butt. Yeah, she moons him. As they're going into the girls' locker room to clean up and get changed. And in this girls' locker room, I noticed there's a giant advertisement for milk. Oh, is there? And it says thank you very much milk and then that's it <laughs> i really like it <laughs> in the locker room uh there is uh a photo uh like wendy's yearbook photo yeah in her, in locker. her locker
2: wendy finds a cut up uh with a shard of glass mm-hmm. yearbook photo of hers and she's naturally creeped out by it, which who wouldn't be, I guess. Immediately storms out. Kim and Kelly are talking, and Kelly thinks she's finally gonna let Drew just do it.
1: Yeah. So romantic. Prom night. Just do it. Uh, Yikes. Um, Suddenly there's a crash. And they go to investigate. Every mirror in the girls' washroom has been smashed. In rapid
2: succession. Is it every mirror? I thought it was just the the one big one.
1: Yeah, like above the. By every mirror, I thought I meant like the only mirror. It's not a particularly impressive mirror. Okay, so yeah. it's <laughs> smashed
2: anyway. And uh, they go to check outside to see if the assailant has run out that way, mm-hmm. but they don't see anyone. However, when they come back inside. They see that there is a missing piece of the mirror that was just broken, a huge knife-like shard. And it
1: mirrors the, Ha-ha. the glass that was used to kill the woman in the nunnery that they don't know about, but the police officer does earlier. Kim and Nick are... Uh, In the gymnasium, yet again, practicing their grand walk down the lighted-up aisle because they are the most popular people in the school as voted by their peers.
2: Wendy and Lou are looking on, seething from the sidelines. Because it should be them. It should be them. (laughs) Well, I don't think Lou was ever in contention, and he knows that. He's just a tool to get back. I can. Oh, definitely. But, like, uh, she wants it, though. The creepy janitor Sykes is cleaning up the glass mm-hmm. unbeknownst to Jamie Lee Curtis. So, from where she is in the hallway, she just hears the glass being cleaned up and, like, tingling on the ground. She feels watched. Yeah, so she gets creeped out by the whole thing.
1: And she, clutching her Cosmo and her textbook, she. Uh, books it outside
2: basically or not outside but she books it away just as she's leaving Jude is arriving in so Jamie Lee is in this hallway with all red lockers and then we cut to all green lockers but Jude is wearing a red dress so it's a a cool little cut that they do there but anyway so Jude is going to her locker and then she finds that just like Wendy, she also has her yearbook picture taped to her locker with a shard of glass. Yeah,
1: and eventually, everyone sort of finds one. yes yeah, involved.
2: Well, Kelly comes up beside her, and they both acknowledge that they got one, but mm-hmm. they look confused. Yeah. Then we cut to the montage of everyone getting ready for the prom. Yeah, and uh, Kim's parents,
1: uh, the the principal is like getting dressed up in a tux, which I think is a bit much. But hey different time I guess (laughs) Uh,
2: meanwhile uh, while the mom uh, can't find a lipstick that she's looking for but we don't really come back to that other than loosely later Mm -hmm. and
1: uh, when, when they pull out we get to see that there's someone lurking in the shadows outside of their house watching them from a car yeah
2: uh, back upstairs, Alex is helping Kim get ready for the prom,
1: and Kim is perfuming Alex much to his chagrin. Uh meanwhile, Nick is downstairs looking at a photo of Robin, their sister, feeling pretty guilty.
2: Yeah, he he doesn't look like he's doing very well at all. Mm-mm. But he's instantly struck with how beautiful jamie lee curtis looks so he forgets about it completely
1: can i be honest with you i didn't really like her dress very much
2: yeah me neither <laughs> i think it was uh sort of intended to be halfway between um kelly's dress which is like a ah, and then uh the red dress that Wendy's wearing. That's a really good observation, like actually. Pink. It's modest, but it's still sexy. Yeah. So it's like a halfway between. We're about to find out at the prom. Back at her house, uh, Wendy is lighting up a cigarette in her living room while she's getting impatient, waiting for Lou to arrive.
1: Who eventually shows up, but his car is filled with the two silent guys that I guess he needs to back him up at all times? The boys.
2: Yeah, she's not exactly thrilled. He isn't wearing a suit, he's drunk driving, and he brought two of his friends, so she's a little pissed. Yeah, she's regretting this ill-advised plan. He's so irresponsible, no wonder he got suspended. Definitely. He's a bad boy, literally. This is not a good guy, I don't think. No,
1: he doesn't even have a leather jacket. He's not like a good bad boy. <laughs>
2: like a greaser. I don't know. We get some really cool establishing shots of the settings we're about to see. All the hallways are dark and most of the exterior
1: doors are chained shut.
2: Yeah, so we get shots. that shows the halls, the staircases, shows the locked doors, and then it does this like outside shot of one of the halls through the glass, like it's that glass with the wire in it, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of like, oh, the school is a prison. I thought that shot was very interesting. Yeah,
1: that is a good idea. Yeah. So we immediately cut to not a quiet, dark place—the disco prom, a loud, very colorful and bright place uh, where. Alex is up on the stage by the DJ and um, because of the era there's a lot of gigantic collars vests and puffiness. It's hard to look at.
2: All of the characters are there. Uh, Seymour gets introduced to Kim and Nick by Jude. The cops are also there keeping an eye out and uh, we get this weird extended shot of one girl getting ready in the bathroom yeah and she hasn't really been in the movie I think she was Wendy's friend earlier at the locker in the change room familiar face but... yeah I think that I think that's who she is because she gets another uh, close-up mm-hmm. lingering shot later back at uh, the dance uh,
1: we get Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen, cutting a rug with his wife, enthusiastically participating in this prom for no reason other than being the principal.
2: Oh, is he dancing with his wife? Yeah.
1: Or no, with Kim. With Kim, yeah. Yeah,
2: so he's dancing with Kim. Sorry, I thought maybe I just missed that they started dancing with his wife or something. I
1: wrote wife first, and then I crossed it
2: out. So they're dancing together when... Wendy shows up and Kim spots her so she decides this is going to be the time when she can make her jealous her time to shine so she excuses herself from her dance with her father the music changes she and Nick get on the light up stage and my god they begin the beautiful choreographed disco number robot that defines
1: this movie disco dance extremely passionate, extended dance.
2: Apparently choreographed by the director's sister, as well as Jamie Lee Curtis, Oh, nice. In, in collaboration.
1: I like it. It's an original. Wonder if it has a name. Lake.
2: <laughs> I guess we're supposed to be like, oh, wow, this is so cool, but this is one of those things, especially considering it's so extremely period being disco, where it just looks... Ridiculous!
1: It's like in the '90s, where like the 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 you know the prom king and then the unexpected prom queen from the dregs of the school. I, I don't think somehow she, like
2: yeah. Bands. I don't think she's like an ex- unexpected. Oh, definitely prom not. I'm just
1: saying like it reminds me of those situations where it's completely unrealistic for people to suddenly know this awesome cool dance. Yeah,
2: yeah. I guess we have seen them <laughs> rehearse though. Yeah, that's true. So this is probably, I don't think this is a spontaneous thing by any stretch. I think this is something that they were planning. Definitely. Um,
1: It's like American Bandstand almost. Or or the Top of
2: the Pops. (laughs) Kim is kind of like the anti-Lori Strode. Yeah. She's like everything Lori Strode wasn't.
1: Uh, anyways, everyone at the prom is totally eating it up, and they're loving it. And
2: yeah, lots of awkward white people dancing. Yeah, this becomes the engine for the rest of the prom. They do that like crazy spin thing where you like lock arms and like sort of lean back on your heels oh, and you yeah. just continuously spin around, like like it's a maypole, and yeah. you're so happy that you're alive. They didn't, um, for this whole sequence there's like a lot of swooping shots and everything. A lot of swooping. And they didn't have Steadicam then. So it's all like done by hand. Oh wow. Yeah, it's like very impressive. Talented. Teamwork.
1: didn't have Steadicam then. I guess that makes sense.
2: Wow. Or if they did, they couldn't afford it for this Yeah, company. definitely.
1: It was a pioneering technology then. Yeah, yeah,
2: definitely.
1: Uh, Lou, meanwhile, has, uh, been ditched by his date. And we get to see him all done up in his extremely like high cut tux. It's like a three quarters tux jacket, and jeans, and jeans. Yeah.
2: And Wendy's not into it at all, so she does this really cool ghost on him where he turns around and starts fist pumping, and she just gives him a pretty good side eye, and then takes off. Yeah, it's great. In the bathroom, the girls are having lady talk because Kelly is still a little nervous about having sex, so they're trying to give her a pep talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because she heads off shortly after to the changing room with her boyfriend, Drew.
1: Yeah, disgusting. You can't rent a hotel. (laughs) You can't rent an equally disgusting hotel. Well, this guy's definitely a piece of shit. Ugh, terrible, man.
2: It must have smelled so bad in there. Things are getting hot and heavy. He's, like, running his hand up her thigh. Mm -hmm. But as soon as he gets uh, in the crotch area... She stops him yeah. because she freezes up. She doesn't want. She's suddenly very uncomfortable when it happens. She's
1: not ready for it, and that's okay. But he calls her fairy tale princess.
2: Yeah, he tries to uh, get her to change her mind, pressure her, pressure her. She doesn't. She refuses to have full sex, and then he gets like pissed off, calls her a fairy tale princess. Mm-hmm. What
0: are you, fairy tale princess? Please. If you don't, I know plenty who will.
2: Goes to leave, stops dramatically, turns back, throws his boot near at her, and then leaves. So she calls him a bastard and starts getting her dress back on.
1: What a wiener. What a wiener. But uh, as she's getting her dress back on... Uh, An
2: unidentified figure Wearing a ski mask A glittery ski mask Sort of sparkly ski mask Approaches her from behind Grabs her by the mouth As they tend to do when they do this And slits her throat Yeah basically half decapitates her And then there's a really lingering shot Of her dead on the floor Mm -hmm. Where It does like a zoom in
1: Yeah Like psycho
2: yeah. Also, I guess, important to note that her throat was slit with a mirror shard. True. True. Uh, Back outside, though, her boyfriend, who just left her, is already trying to get with another girl at the punch bowl.
1: Yeah. Uh, moving around and around and around. Yeah. He's it. one
2: horny son of a bitch.
1: Apparently so. He'll stop at nothing. We cut to the van the panel van from earlier Yeah,
2: Jude and Slick are have just finished having sex mm-hmm. and smoking marijuana.
1: And it looks like they're being watched from the bushes uh
2: while Slick goes out yeah, to pee. To yeah. And uh Jude gets out of the van, she's talking to him. It's again another cute relationshipy. Like this is a much better dynamic than Drew and Kelly certainly sex positive like they're both talking about
1: what they want to do and they're both excited about doing it yeah
2: they both divulge to each other that they were each other's first time and Jude says they should go do it on the bluff yeah so they go to the edge of the bluff with a blanket but as they're just starting to fool around there's a rustling in the tree a twig snapping if you will so they decide to head back to the van instead very smartly may i say and then uh oh yeah i watched the documentary today Mm -hmm. and the actress who plays jude was talking about how uh she was they tried to pressure her to do a nude scene here (laughs) And she refused because it was her first movie and she didn't want her mom to see her nude.
1: And you know what? It detracts nothing from the movie. Oh, absolutely yeah. not.
2: And she said it wasn't in her contract, so it's not like it was... Good. It probably wasn't a big deal. Smart. She just said the lady tried to convince her to do it. Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know. I, li- I like that scene. It was very, like, sex positive, like I said.
2: Yeah, so as they're back in the back of the van <laughs> at... Slick asks her to pass him his history book, which he's done one of those, like, classic movie cutouts, Mm -hmm. and he has filled it with joints. Like, filled it with joints. So they start smoking weed, and she does this, like, really cute face acting, I thought, where she sort of, like, widens her eyes when she takes, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. That was a nice little little me. thing. Yeah, it was. It was a nice little thing. So she passes the the J, mm-hmm. and she says,
3: no, "I'll remember this night for the rest of my life."
2: Of course. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so will I. Ah,
2: no! No! And no sooner does she finish her sentence than the door behind her opens up. She drops backwards, and then she gets stabbed in the neck. Yeah,
1: quite violently by our killer. And then Slick has a fraught battle for the steering wheel with said killer. He
2: does pretty well. Like, when he has a chance, he punches the killer, sends him flying back, and then he jumps in the front and tries to take off, though the killer eventually does pretty good jumping and holding on to this car mhm like
1: uh and then as like eventually like the van goes off a cliff does it goes off the bluff i should yeah, say yeah it goes off the bluff
2: yeah. because uh the killer gets inside the van and they're tussling in there the killer rolls out the door and the van Drives off the the bluff and like explodes
1: yeah. immediately huge 80s movie quite explosion. violently uh, it was because of all the
2: weed in there, probably so when I was reading about this, uh, I'm not sure whether it was the van that they used was a stolen van or <laughs> the van that they used was then stolen <laughs> because it just said that the van was stolen by the stunt person. And I don't know if that means, yeah, that's so ambiguous. He stole the van, or if after they were done, he just stole the van. How about this?
1: He stole it, and then when they were done with it, he stole it again. (laughs) That's what I
2: like. Crosses each other out. Totally legal. Thankfully, our killer is very quick because back at the school, I guess we don't know how far the bluffs are. They must be pretty close though, because that's where Nick and Kim were walking. Yeah, not a good place to have a school. Someone uh, should map this. Buy some blocks. We need, we need some city planning yeah, maps. Yeah, definitely. Here. Some city. So, back at the school, Wendy is going back into the bathroom for the 400th time mm-hmm. in this movie. We're seeing the bathroom, but I guess they had to make the most of the set that they had. Yeah. So, she's in the bathroom. Hey, uh, she wants more mascara. mascara.
0: Any
1: mascara do people really share mascara seems like an intimate item to be sharing I'm not sure
2: I don't know if I people know really either. knew the dangers of doing that in 1980 excellent though. point I wonder what 1980s mascara was like the lights go out Ooh. <laughs> and the killer comes up behind her and he goes to axe her, she catches it right at the last minute, screams, and dodges out of the way. And she's off, running. Yeah. Uh, The killer slams the axe like into the counter, and it gets stuck. And then he runs away without it, and then comes back to get it. Yeah. I thought that was funny. <laughs> a little bit of slapstick, I liked it yeah, too. Yeah, this movie has a couple funny parts. Like It tries to really stick the jokes in. And then, like, grounded in reality, which is always good too. Uh, and
1: he, while well, she's running away at top speed in what I'm presuming are like an elevated
2: heel. Yeah. She's definitely wearing high heels. It's he, pretty impressive because she's really running. It,
1: upstairs, like several flights of stairs.
2: I love this chase scene. I think this is one of the best ones along with, uh, Sarah Michelle Geller and I know what you did last summer.
1: Oh definitely like and it's realistic too she's running to every exit that she can think of but every single one happens to be chained up very bad for her meanwhile the killer is doing insane parkour (laughs) climbing up the sides of stairwells and stuff to get to her
2: she does the dumb movie thing which i don't know if it was even a trope yet where she runs into the gym and for some reason trips on a mat yep and it takes her a little
1: while to get up off this completely flat, I'm assuming non stick
2: mat. But <laughs> she finally ducks into a classroom to hide, and she's pretty much got it made in there. Like she, the killer, peeks in, doesn't see her, and then leaves. But then instead of just staying put, she decides to back out of the room without looking and backs into an anatomical mannequin thing. Knocking it over, she gets startled, she screams, which in turn gives away her location, so she has to run away again. Yeah, more chasing. Uh,
1: eventually she gets to the auto shop part of the high school, which I know I we used to have one in my high school. Did they have one in yours? Yep.
2: It's like a whole hallway, basically. Oh, wow.
1: They turned ours into a weight room, so there are all these giant hydraulic jacks and then a bunch of like secondhand discount weightlifting (laughs)
2: equipment anyways she checks the door in there again and again it's locked Mm -hmm. because you'd think she'd give up by now because girl every single door is locked he thought of everything maybe they felt like they needed to show it though just so people weren't like why isn't she trying to get out that door
1: yeah Man, I would feel so stupid if I was getting axed to death and in the rear view mirror I saw that the door had no chain on it.
2: Ugh, egg on my face. She hides in one of the cars and, of course, the killer finds her. Eventually, somehow. Uh,
1: But there's no escape, basically. She's doomed.
2: Yeah, he smashes through the window and she jumps out the other side, grabs a broom and hits him with it. And then she takes off again, hiding in a storage room.
1: Yeah, and it's she's trying to keep as silent as she possibly yeah, can. Yeah, so
2: apparently in this scene, and I didn't notice. Uh huh. So maybe I'll have to like go back and do a frame by frame. I guess in the storage room, Sykes is also in there—the janitor.
1: Oh, I did not yeah. notice that either. That's doubly creepy. Maybe that's where he lives. That's his house. <laughs> Just hangs himself up at the end of the night.
2: So they show dripping blood. Extremely red blood. Like yellow red blood. Yeah. And we hear like the drip, drip, drip. And then Kelly's body falls down. And Wendy screams again. Again giving away her location. And she opens the door. And kablammo. Acts to the She gets axed a lot, I think, because you get a lot of the chopping sound effects. Yeah,
1: Not good. Axing to death is not my preferred
2: (laughs) way to be murdered. Definitely not. Our detective has just learned that the person who they think was committing all of these crimes uh, has been caught. So he is thrilled. And he's going to end... Their involvement at the prom. Yeah, he can finally leave this hell hole. Disco hell hole. And so they're escorting Sykes.
3: Killer loose. Is a killer loose. Is a killer loose.
0: You guys had too much to drink. Going for the patrol car to take him in. He'll be right back, Nikki. Come on. What did he do? Just drank too much, I guess. <laughs> Fits right in with this he's trying to
2: warn them yep. that there's a killer on the loose. Mm-hmm. So the reason he knew was because he was in the storage room with the dead body, ah, Kelly's dead body, and saw Wendy get killed.
1: Nice. That makes sense. So he's trying to do the right thing. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, so Kevin uh, is. Who's what? Kevin? I don't know. He's one of Lou's goons. Okay. Who gets the shit beat out of him? Oh, okay. Yeah, and then uh, the
2: the blonde guy with
1: muscles. I think so. Okay, uh, and then uh, I think that gives Lou the entree to sneak up on Kevin. Not Kevin. Nick. S- Nick. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
2: So Nick and Kim are backstage. Uh, they're about to be crowned prom king and queen. And Lou decides to put the plan into effect, even though Wendy is MIA. Yeah, nowhere to be seen. So he knocks knocks him
1: out, knocks Nick out, and steals his crown and uh, his the, the
2: lackeys, like gag him with tape ah. and then tie him up. And uh, then they all take his jacket off and his crown, and then Lou takes his place. Yeah. The killer starts to sneak up behind, thinking that Lou is Nick, and decapitates him. Quite swiftly.
1: Very swiftly. The head rolls straight down the promenade that's all lit up that uh, the king and queen were about to walk down in front of everyone at the prom. So embarrassing.
2: Yeah, everyone starts screaming and running out naturally, as I would definitely do if there was a severed head.
1: Maybe not screaming, but certainly swiftly booting it.
2: The (laughs) actor who played Lou, I think he, he was super claustrophobic. It said medical condition. Mm -hmm. I don't know what medical condition that would be. But he was very scared during that scene. So underneath the stage, someone's like holding his hand. Oh. Like one of the producers, I think. That's nice. Yeah.
1: I like that. It's a big, tough guy. (laughs) That's acting, folks. It's a real actor. You You couldn't tell. You couldn't tell
2: in his face that his hand was being held. Kim Uh, finds Nick backstage and she frees him. He's being very calm back there. He's awake again. mm -hmm. He's just sort of like standing up. Despite being beat up. (laughs) I don't know why he didn't just walk out there and ask them to untie him or Eh. whatever. And our killer has just recovered from being electrocuted
1: because his axe connected with uh, the electrical box. bumped back.
2: Okay, and I really want to give credit where credit's due here. Mm -hmm. Nick has a fucking sprained ankle. In real life? No, uh, no, in the movie. Oh yeah, he he says his ankle is sprained. Yeah, and fucking Wendy just booked it around this entire school in high heels, and she was fine. Good point. He does make a big deal of it, but yeah, he
1: Jamie has to like drag him across the floor. I will say he does move faster than most people who have that sort of "Mm, you care about me enough that you'll
2: stay behind to look after me (laughs) sort of injury. Anyways. The killer starts attacking Nick, but noticeably not attacking Kim. Mm -hmm. But she's attacking him. She's really fighting for Nick's life here. And she picks up the axe yeah, that she jumps on the guy's back, mm-hmm. which he throws the axe away because I guess he loses his That's grip. That's what you do. So she goes to grab the axe and then
1: uh, she smashes him directly on top of the head and he gets knocked out or knocked asunder. Yeah, I should say.
2: it's He's got massive blunt force trauma now. And uh, it's at this moment that she realizes that it's her brother.
1: Yeah. She had looked into his eyes, seen his eyes, and been like, "Ah, crap, I know those eyes. Those peepers, jeepers creepers.
2: And she's very upset about it. Yeah. Good acting by Jamie Lee Curtis there. Uh, When she takes the sparkly mask off, he's... Yeah, he runs outside, and then there's, like, an extended king kong sort of thing oh yeah he's covering his face yeah he's covering his face while everyone out there is screaming the police lights are on mm-hmm. him it's because of his massive head contusion yeah. i guess he's having vision problems you can't understand what they want him uh, to do the police all pull out their guns but mm-hmm. kim yells at them not to shoot just as he falls down collapsing in her arms she pulls the mask off to dramatically reveal that it's her brother alex
3: uh-huh. I saw it all. They, they, they killed her. They killed her. Robin. Robin.
2: Is he wearing lipstick? He is the lipstick that was missing earlier. I don't know why. And they mentioned that he was wearing lipstick in the documentary, Mm -hmm. but they didn't say why. Is it... I think it's supposed to be a Norman Bates-like thing. Yeah, that's what... Like, uh, he's his sister. With his sister, but I'm really... They didn't... If that was something that they were aiming for, they really... It was extremely subtle. Yeah, they too subtle. A lot of it might have gotten cut out, I guess. Eh,
1: <laughs> nah, what are you gonna do?
2: Yeah. And then Kim starts crying because now, same day, she has to deal with the fact that both her her brother and sister died on the same day, six years ago. Oh mm.
1: yeah, and a lot of her quote unquote friends. <laughs> and that's the movie. It's kind of a bummer
2: ending. But I mean, they're never really positive, I guess. Yeah, I mean, what else could happen, right? Yeah. He is a little bit sympathetic because of the whole revenge thing. hmm. It's kind of a shame that he could
1: only do it now, though. But I guess he's only a junior. True. <laughs> what are you going he he had had to do? To, he had to seethe about this until he could finally attend yeah, junior prom. Get the upper body strength to really axe someone to death. <laughs> I don't know.
2: I'm not up to date on my Murder 101. And yeah, there are obviously three sequels and I think we've watched mm-hmm. them all. Yeah, we definitely, But they have yeah. other than the same high school they have nothing to do with the this original, one. the OG. Do you have any
1: like other factoids or anything? What's the 6 degrees of Jamie Lee for this one?
2: <laughs> uh yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it does it. This might be the first one where we can't six <laughs> I mean technically you can't 6 degrees of Jamie Lee yet.
1: You can't connect her to herself.
2: Yeah. It's a powerful
1: existential statement. And I like it. I like it. Jamie Lee, if you're out there, let us know if you've connected to yourself through Activia or have
2: other means. <laughs> I do have some stuff. I don't have a, a lot. That's but okay. I don't know. I watched a documentary about the making of the movie oh, cool. to get this information. But. They were... Most of it was just essentially talking about how it impacted their lives Mm -hmm. and how much they enjoyed the experience. Well, that's good. Yeah. But I'm more interested in, like, knowing... The hot tea. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Behind-the-scenes
2: gossip. So the director is Paul Lynch, and he says that he's always been a graphic designer, and art director... And there was a man named Charles B. Pierce who did the ad campaigns for the slasher movie The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Okay. And it really caught Paul Lynch's eye and inspired him. So he designed a concept for a horror movie called Don't See the Doctor.
3: Mm. And he
2: brought it to a meeting with Irwin Yablins who had just come off producing Halloween. Lynch wanted to do it as a horror film But Yavlin's was not into it. He thought it was distasteful to do a horror movie about a doctor. Hmm. Uh, So he suggested instead that Lynch use a holiday as a starting point to build a premise. So he landed on the prom after seeing a, a sign on a hotel where they were having their graduation on the way home. So he was inspired by that to make it about Prom. And so he knew Robert Guza Jr. who is part of the the story team on this movie. And he asked him if he had any ideas for a horror movie. And Guza had written a story about a group of teenagers who were involved in a tragic accident as children and Mm. it came back to haunt them. So they took that story and they adapted it into the central premise of Prom Night, obviously. I like it. Uh, so he pitched the idea to Peter Simpson, and they signed it in four days. Like, they made a deal within four days. Nice. Which is very fast. Yeah. In terms of casting, um, for the role of Kim, they, they knew right away that for some reason they wanted a television actress to do the lead. And Paul Lynch had chosen eve plum who played jan brady on the brady bunch in the 60s interesting and that was until jamie lee's manager called him to express that jamie lee would like to read for the role nice and she was just coming off of halloween so she was sort of a hot commodity at the time and so she wanted to meet with the production crew, and so she came in, sat down, and the director said that she really sold herself, uh, which led to her securing the role. Good for her. Uh, The rest of the cast were mostly fresh faces coming out of the U of T, University of Toronto, theater department.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah, so lots of
2: them were friends or classmates, but they didn't really get to shoot very many scenes together, they said, so it wasn't really like they got to hang out or anything on I
1: guess that makes sense yeah
2: cuz they're not really together that much maybe in the hallway scenes <laughs> it was filmed in Toronto over 24 days in between August and September in 1979 on a budget of 1.5 million and it ended up grossing 14 million i think not, so not a bad return at the time it was Canada's top uh horror release like nice. highest grossing that's great canada it, yeah it's part of jamie lee did uh this one and terror train pretty much right after each other because as i was watching in an interview with her it was tax credits which i i know about that canadian government offers mm-hmm. tax credits but you have to have x amount of canadian actors and I guess at the time, the limit was two American actors that you could have. So she sold herself in those two movies as being one of the American.
1: Wow. Only two. That's
2: interesting. That's really interesting. can Kan laws
1: back then are pretty strict, though.
2: All of the school scenes were shot first because filming was August 13th. To, or august 7th to september 13th Yeah, and this is it was cool. right when school was starting so they had like two weeks to film in the school itself before classes started oh dear. so they had to do all of the school scenes first and then do all of the outside scenes afterwards the
1: prom scene itself must have been a lot of
2: work to put together oh i bet that, that light up floor everyone seems to have nothing but nice things to say about jamie lee curtis It's always good to hear. working on this movie.
1: Always good to hear.
2: The actor playing her younger brother, Michael, he said that she made a point to take him out shopping, like on the first day they met, as like a way to bond so their relationship was more believable. Nice.
1: That's nice of her to do.
2: Yeah, everyone seemed to really love working with her. The director referred to her as... The Jennifer Lawrence of the time.
1: That's such a crazy compliment to both of them. <laughs> oh, Jennifer Lawrence, yeah, she's the she's the 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 Jamie Lee Curtis of her age. Yeah, yeah. it's weird. I, like I don't a, know. I don't know if that's
2: true, but Joy Thompson, who played Jude, as we know, declined to do a nude scene, but we do get the nude scene of Kelly who is played by Mary Beth Rubens. And she actually was very glad to take the role because this is a quote. She said it was the ultimate chance to play a virgin.
1: (laughs) Wow. Perfect. Perfect.
2: (laughs) They wanted Leslie Nielsen for the role, and they were kind of surprised when he wanted it as well. Um, he also seemed to get along really well with everyone on the cast. The actor who played Drew said that they would like joke around all of the time and uh so he still acts and he would see Leslie Nielsen on the street and they would still talk and everything sometimes. Wow.
1: That's an amazing memory.
2: I guess he would go around with this um machine that made fart noises. As you do and just like do it all the time like all of the actors were talking about how they would just be like talking to him and then they'd hear like a fart noise but no one would say anything (laughs) and even in one of the prom scenes when they were filled with people he would like do it and then someone yelled like it's starting to stink in here See, I can imagine what like a fart machine from
1: our childhood would look like. No idea what one from the seventies would look oh, like. Oh, me- I have no
2: clue. I-, I would imagine it would have like a hand crank. And <laughs> even crazier story. Again, the ac- it, This guy must have had a fucking fantastic time on this movie. The mm-hmm. actor who played uh, Alex, the younger brother. Yep. He was hanging out with Leslie Nielsen, and Leslie Nielsen brought him to a bar. I guess. <laughs> And also at the bar was Christopher Plummer. And so the three of them were all hanging out. So this must have been like a crazy experience. Yeah. And then... uh, In the 70s. Yeah. So Leslie had to go to the bathroom. And then Christopher Plummer leaned over to the guy playing Alex and was like, oh, it's terrible. What's wrong with him? eh?" Thinking like the fart. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> because everyone just assumed he had this, like, oh my problem god. because he was constantly using this fart oh machine. Oh my
1: god, that's so good. What, what an ultimate bit to do. Yeah, Use it so much that people think that you're actually ill. Leslie <laughs> Nielsen's a national treasure. He is. R.I.P. R.I.P. I'm
2: pouring some out right now. All over myself. Uh, so I talked about the uh, David Mucci, his fear when he was under the the stage, yeah. being a decapitated head. The during Jude's death scene in the in the car, they had to hold her feet down. Oh no! And I guess she was crying right before her death scene because she had a thing about being touched around her neck. Not the job for yeah. yeah. And they used actual glass for that scene so she she had to really trust in the stunt guy ooh actual glass yeah that's scary but that's the life of an actress or actor it was the same composer in this movie as it was for black christmas nice because it was canadian and they they pursued him and he wanted to do it oh that's awesome so he wrote all of the disco song and this is gonna be pretty (laughs) unbelievable he wrote all of the disco songs in five days. <laughs> I mean, they are lyrically brilliant, so... <laughs> they shot the movie using, like, popular songs of the time, like Gloria Gaynor, mm-hmm. etc., et because they were just like, oh, we'll use it, and then we'll just get the rights to it later. Yeah, But the rights are obviously super-duper expensive to actually get that music. So the producer, uh, Peter Simpson went to the composer uh, Paul Zaza and said he wanted him to get pretty close to the actual the songs but Mm -hmm. not close enough to get sued but not close enough that they win
1: (laughs) I love that and I love you have five days to do it well maybe he didn't have five days but you do it in five
2: days it wasn't super well received the movie um it's a shame i like i it. think it has like a 42 on rotten tomatoes not that that's like an indication of quality or whatever mm-hmm. but uh, a lot of reviews at the time said it was just a recapitulation of halloween or it was halloween mixed with carrie like eh. it was just ripping both of them off
1: yeah i don't know i would say it stands the test of time better than a lot yeah of other ones so rip off or not it it did it well
2: and it came out around the same time as friday the 13th
1: ah that makes sense
2: the one production company which i can't remember the name of uh was originally going to distribute the movie and then they went with friday the 13th instead
1: wow yeah how small decisions can change the course of history for that distribution company anyways. and that's
2: all I've got. That's all my factoids. Man, I'm, that I'm sorry it wasn't more defined. of like a coherent story, it's okay. and more of just like a here's a factoid.
1: I like those factoids though, and they're very interesting, specific, spe- especially for a Canadian production. Learning about like the the orchestration, and everything.
3: Yeah,
1: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it is super late. Um, do you
2: want to tell the folks at home about our social media presence? Yeah, so before we sign off here, I uh, just want to plug our social media. Give us a follow if you feel like it. If not, that's cool too. It feels really lame even saying it. Yep. So the Instagram is at Definitely First Blood, Twitter is at Deaf First Blood, and you can email us at definitelyfirstblood at definitelyfirstbloodgmail.com. That's Google Mail.
1: It is. All right. Okay. Thank you so much for listening, honestly and seriously. We yes, appreciate thank it. Thank you so much. Uh,
2: again, becoming a trend. We don't know what we're going to do next time. I like we'll it that way. Figure it out.
1: Throwing caution to the wind. That's an uncertain only way times. to do it. Yeah. Okay. Maybe
2: we'll do, I don't know, we'll see if there's like a caution to the wind canada day slash independence day themed one as i believe next idea. week is close to that today is someday and seven days from now we'll be closer to july 1st than today
1: it definitely will be
2: we don't know we'll post it on our twitter you know when we did. do every day is a winding road <laughs> thank you so much for listening again thank you uh we're definitely first Blood. uh goodbye Bye! Bye! Bye. Later. Later!